First John chapter number four this morning. Let's turn to First John chapter number four. And I do want you to be in the service tonight. As I mentioned, I'll be preaching a message unless the Lord changes my mind, but I, I believe I'll be preaching from the life of King David when your lowest moment becomes your greatest moment. And so I want you to be back tonight. Uh, it'll be a help to us, I am certain. First uh, John chapter number four. Uh, last Sunday morning, I preached uh, a message from the book of Revelation, uh, really on the book of Revelation. Uh, I did so because I wanted us to uh, be focused on what the Bible says in, instead of focused on what necessarily everything that is going on in our world. Not that we should not be concerned with what's going on in our world, uh, but the Bible explains to us uh, how we're to react to what's going on in our world. Christians should not react to what's going on in the world. The Christians should react to the Bible. And so we've got to go to the Bible to figure out uh, how we are to react and get some insight uh, into the things of God. And this morning, I'm going to preach another message uh, that will give us some insight as well, some things for us to be reminded about as a Christian. This morning, when I got up, God was still on His throne. Uh, God is still a sovereign God. God is still a holy God. God is still the omniscient, omnipotent, powerful one. Uh, he's still in the business of, of saving sinners. He's still in the business of, of encouraging the saints. He's still, God, God is in complete control. And as a child of God, I should be looking to Him. I should be looking to His Word. And so uh, I want us to look this morning at 1 John chapter number 4, and I'm going to read the entire uh, chapter this morning. Uh, and I want to draw our attention. It's going to be a little bit unusual format for a Sunday morning service, uh, but I want you and I to be reminded of what God says, uh, not what this world says. I made the statement last Sunday morning. I think it would be good for me uh, to, to remind us of it, uh, I made several statements. I'll make a couple before I read, read, read the text. One is we as a Christian have to be careful uh, listening to uh, the media and even conservative uh, political commentators on what is going on in our world. Uh, there should be one voice we listen to about what's going on in our world, and that's the Spirit of God. And so uh, I want to help us this morning, and I believe that this will help us. And so let's look at 1 John chapter number 4, and we'll read all 21 verses. You follow along with me this morning. 1 John 4, verse 1. Uh, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because great is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love." 
Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. This morning I want to look at this chapter, and after I pray, I'm going to make some statements by way of introduction I'm going to give us some rules to remember uh, when trying the spirits. Then I'm going to make four statements. uh, And my message this morning is this, truths for the Christian to remember. Truths for the Christian to remember. Let's ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, I pray that the Spirit of God would be evident. He'd be real. Uh, We would be listening to His leading this morning. Uh, May the Word of God uh, bring truth to us. May it give clarity uh, to our thinking, give clarity to our actions. And, uh, Father, through the message this morning, if there's one unsaved, may they realize their need of the Savior. May they realize that's the most important thing they could ever, uh, decision they could ever make was to trust Christ as their payment for sins. Father, I pray that you'll strengthen the Christian this morning. May we give honor to you, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to give you some strengths, uh, some truths to remember uh, this morning, but I want you to look at verse number one. And if you uh, mark in your Bible, I'm going to give you a couple of things uh, to mark. And really, the first part of this message is going to be more like a Wednesday night Bible study. And I'm going to give you some things to see, uh, and then I'm going to give you just to make four quick statements at the end of the truths that we as Christians should remember. We see in verse number one, we see beloved. Believe not every spirit. Now, that word beloved lets us know that uh, John is speaking to Christians. Uh, this is to the church. This is to the saved. And something for us to consider. Believe not every spirit, uh, but try the spirits wherever they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Uh, there is a command given. There's an admonition given uh, that the Christians should be suspicious. We should not be suspicious of one another, but we should be suspicious of the spirits in this world. And we are to try the spirits. I don't believe everything the news media tells me. But I don't believe everything Disney tells me. I don't believe everything Hollywood tells me. I don't believe everything the conservative uh, groups tell me. Why? Because as a Christian, as a child of God, I'm supposed to be suspicious. I'm supposed to try the spirits of this world. I've reminded us much 
recently that we are engaged in spiritual battle. There is a spiritual world that you and I cannot see. It is very, very real. We, as a soldier of Christ, play a key role in that. And we are supposed to, we're supposed to try the spirits and, and determine what? Whether they are of God. I'm not concerned if there's a Republican narrative or a Democratic narrative. I'm concerned as if, if, it's, if it follows God's word. Uh, it, is it of God? I'm not going to let society dictate to me how I, how I operate my home, how I rear my children, how I pastor this church. I want to determine, is it of God? You and I, this is not written just to pastors. This is written to Christians. This is written to the church. This is written to you and I for us to know that there are some, there are some things that we are supposed to try. So with that in mind, by way of introduction this morning, I want you to give me a good hearing this morning. There are some rules to remember when we are trying the spirits of this world. I can think back to when I was in school. It was just a couple years ago for me. And, and I can think back to when I was in school and there were some things that, that you learned. When it comes to uh, English, I, I, I didn't always care for English. Um, uh, it, it got, you could get bogged down in that and diagramming and all that, that stuff. I don't, know, I don't know the point of that. But anyway, um, but I do write. I do read, and, and, and the Lord's blessed me in that area. But I learned at a young age, uh, going through school, that there are some laws. And if you apply the laws, then you can discern how a sentence is supposed to be written. Uh, and it's very, it's very simple. There is a, a law that defines, uh, they're called grammar rules, uh, but the teacher I had, it was more like laws than rules. And so uh, you have, you have the, these, these, these laws uh, that if you didn't apply them, uh, your life would be shortened and, and you would have nothing to look forward to in life. But uh, be that as it may, you can determine if a word is the right word by applying the law. You can determine whether or not the structure is right by applying the rule. Are you with me this morning? And if you will filter a sentence through those laws, you can determine whether or not it's good grammar. Makes sense, right? The same is true. You can take some math, some math principles and, and, and problems and things of that, laws of science as well. But there are some laws, and it's God's law, that if you will filter the world through, if you'll filter your life through, you can get a clear picture and understanding of what is going on, uh, not just in our everyday life, but in a big picture in our world. So I'm going to give you some laws. I'm going to give you some rules uh, that we are to remember when trying the spirits. This is going to make sense to you as we get into this. Uh, the first one, by way of introduction, that we need to remember is that there's only two belief systems. Look at verse number two. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. There's the first belief system. Those that believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Those that believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Those that believe that He came, died on the cross, paid the sin debt for men, rose again three days later, ascended into heaven, uh, is going to return again. Those who believe that His shed blood is the only means of salvation applied to our account, that is one belief system. By the way... It's the correct belief system. 
It's the only one that God acknowledges. Uh, we live in a day where we think just because we have an opinion that everybody else has got, God's got to accept it. God accepts one belief system. And let me tell you whose it is. It's his. It's his. It's, it's not a political party's. It's God's. It's not, it's not a nation's. It's God's. It's his belief system. We're going to simplify things with the scripture this morning. There's only two belief systems, and this is the first. Confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Verse 3, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. This is the second belief system, that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. Jesus Christ is not the only begotten Son of God. Now, I don't think this will offend anybody in here. I hope God's Word would not offend anybody, but just the ones that come to my mind, the Mormons believe that, that Jesus and Satan are brothers. That's not Bible. That is of the second belief system, that he is not the only begotten Son of God. According to my Bible, that is the spirit of Antichrist. Uh, you take another one that comes to mind. You take Islam. Islam does not believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God who is the Savior of the world. Islam is wrong. The Bible is right. There's not... The, there's not the Christian way, there's not the Mormon way, there's not the Muslim way, there's not the Catholic way, there's not the New Age way, there's two belief systems. What they all have in, you have the one that is the correct one, Jesus Christ is the Savior of all men. What all of the other, quote unquote, religious systems, even the religion of atheism, even the religion of I, don't, I, don't, I believe in, in, in man's intellect. Even the, those religions, they all have one thing in common, that Jesus Christ is not the perfect Son of God. So the a first rule for you and I, because this world is changing quickly, friend, it's going to continue to change quickly. As I preached last week, we're not in the tribulation. It's just getting us closer to the rapture of the church. And this world is going to continue to change. And the closer we get, the quicker it's going to change. And that's why this morning, you better know you're saved. You better know you're on your way to heaven. Because before this service could end, that trumpet could sound. And uh, you'd be awful lonely in here all by yourself in the house of God, not knowing for sure your sins have been forgiven. We're getting closer and closer. So for me to remember, I've got to understand, no matter what is said, no matter how many different quote-unquote beliefs there are, there's only two belief systems as defined by God who created all men, by God who authored this book. There's those who accept Jesus Christ, and there's those who deny Him. Those who accept, the Bible says, are of God. A preacher that preaches that there's one way to heaven... And it's through the Lord Jesus Christ, it's by grace are ye saved through the sacrifice of, 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 the, of the Son of God. They are a preacher of God. Those that add to that, according to my book, they are not of God. They are not sin of God. It doesn't matter if they call themselves apostle or holy one or whatever they call them. The word of God says there's two belief systems. One that, that believes that Christ is the Savior they're of God. All the others who don't believe that, <clears throat> the Bible says they're of the spirit of Antichrist. 
was not God. So that's the first rule to remember. There's only two belief systems. Today, uh, what, we're, what we're, we're told to believe is that there's, there's the Republican belief system and there's a Democrat belief system. I don't look at it that way. I look at it, is, is it God's system or is it the spirit of Antichrist? And I think it would help Christians if we would define things as the Bible defines, defines things. Now, I vote a certain way, I'll tell you that. But in the big picture, it's, it's of God or it's not of God. Pastor, why do you got to make everything just, just so, so spiritual? and so? Because it's, it's true. There's two belief systems, one or the other. Everybody with me this morning? Number two, second rule to remember as a Christian, when trying to, when you try the spirits, you prove the spirits, you discern the times. Number two is consider the end and work backwards. Look at verse number three again. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Notice this. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. When Jesus commissioned the church in Acts chapter number one, he told them to go into all the world and do what? To have political revolutions? No. To establish Christian governments? No to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his commission. That is, should be the goal of the church. That should be the goal. I'm glad part of coming to church is we do have a social uh, aspect of it. We like to see one another. We like to interact with one another. Uh, we like to get together. And as Baptists, you know, uh, we're going we're, you know, to keep, keep the restaurants in, in, in business on Sunday. I mean, that's just the way it is. But we like the social aspect of it. But God did not commission us for a social purpose. He commissioned us to reach the world with the gospel. God did not commission me, although I think abortion is murder. I think abortion is as vile as it can get. I, I, I believe that. God did not commission this preacher to go stand and picket outside of abortion clinic. He told me to preach the gospel. Now, I'd lose some of the, I'm going to lose some of the brethren this morning, but so be it. We are told to work, consider the end, and work backwards. That's what the Christian is supposed to do. But Antichrist, and the spirit of Antichrist, and Satan himself has a different goal. He wants to bring the world together so that Antichrist can be established. That is the goal. That is the purpose. On a side note, that's part of the problem among a myriad of others with all this emerging church stuff is everybody just get together. Don't matter what you believe, let's just get together. Well, my Bible tells me that that's the spirit of Antichrist. Don't, don't separate over doctrine. Don't separate over what you believe. We're, we're all God's children. Yeah, God created us all, but my Bible says there's two belief systems. One that believes Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and one that believes that you need something besides Christ. There's two. So in order for me to discern what is going on in this world, I've got to look at the end, and I've got to work backwards. What does Satan want from this world? What does Satan want to accomplish in this world? There's the spirit of Antichrist. It's here. If it was here when John penned this letter, it's here now. And we're getting closer and closer and closer uh, to Christ's return. Number three, the, th the third rule I want you to remember when discerning the times is found in verse number four. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Um, 
There's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to be afraid. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Did not Christ say, I've come? I'm greater than the world. I've come to overcome the world, the things of this world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. As a child of God, I am not afraid of what is going on in this world because he has overcome the world. Uh, We get sucked in as God's people. And this morning, what I want to do is I want us to have more confidence in God than what we see on TV. I want us to have more confidence in God than what we see going on in this world. My Bible tells me that greater is he that is in me is, he is greater than those in this world. Uh, when you got saved, how many of you are saved this morning? Let me see your, see your hand. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God entered into you, and He dwells in you this morning. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ that you, you got salvation by the grace of God. It's the Spirit of God that seals you into the day of redemption, and every child of God has a Spirit of God that dwells within them. The Spirit of God that is in you, the Spirit of God is in me, is greater than the Spirit of Antichrist that is in this world. No matter what takes place in this world, the greatest one dwells within me. There's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason uh, to uh, fear what's going to happen, what's going to happen. Well, what's going to happen is going to happen, but I don't have to be afraid of it. Because I know God is in complete control. Are you with me this morning? The rule to remember is there's no reason. God is, God is greater than this world. He's overcome this world. There's, there's, if the blood of Jesus Christ can overcome your sins and my sins, I think God can handle everything else that's going on in this world. But if we are going to discern how we are to respond. As you know, I, I, I consider myself a, 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 if you will, an amateur student of history. I, I love to read history. I love to study history. And I can only imagine we are going through some trying times in our nation with this pandemic and all these things that are taking place. But, but I wonder what it was like when, 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 when and, and some of you can fill me in after the service, uh, when Pearl Harbor was attacked. Uh, the end of the world was coming. When we've had presidents assassinated. Uh, when, when we're in civil war, a couple of you, I'd like for you to tell me how that was uh, after the service this morning, uh, how it was back then. You think there's always been times in this world, but there's always something that we've got to remember as a child of God, greater is he that is in me than, than he that is in this world. I don't have to be overly concerned and have any fear because I know God is in complete control. And this morning, that's why I want to bring our attention uh, once again to the Word of God so you and I know how to conduct ourselves. You and I can have confidence in the world that we live in that God is in complete control. The fourth rule this morning to remember when trying to discern the times is this. There are only two audiences. Look at verse number five. They are of the world. Who? The spirit of Antichrist. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. God has already established in the first part of this chapter that if they do not believe in Jesus Christ as the perfect Son of God, the Savior of this world, they are not of God. He goes on to establish again, they are of the world. They're not of God. So therefore, they don't speak of God, they speak of the world. That's why you've got it suspect when you have a quote-unquote preacher 
Who's not speaking spiritual things, but speaking of the world. And guess who hears them? The world. See, how can they say that and get away with it? They're talking to their audience. There's only two audiences. Verse 6, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is where Christians make the mistake. We try speaking of the world to the world, and that's not our audience. It's not our audience. Say, say, Pastor, we're not supposed to reach them? I'll get to that in just a moment. But you're not going to engage in their debate, if you will, their dialogue, if you will, and make any headway. Has to be the eternal change of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. He is the one that makes a difference in our world. We say this as a tagline and in passing, and it's certainly true, but we don't don't really understand what we're saying many times. When Jesus Christ could solve all the problems in this world, He certainly can, but we have got to understand that there are two audiences, there are two belief systems, those that believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is the way to heaven, and those that do not. We've gotten, and the devil is so good at what he has done. He has deceived God's people into thinking we need a political revolution. God's people need to get back involved in the politics in a greater way. And I don't find that in my Bible. It is not there. I can take you to Republicans who curse the name of God. It's not our responsibility to push a political narrative. It's our responsibility to preach the name of Christ. Because you cannot reason, for lack of a better word, with those that are, that are of the world, speaking to the world, that, that's, that you can't reason with that. They are under the, the spirit of Antichrist. And likewise, there are some who would not have political beliefs that I have, but they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Our responsibility is to say, won't you put your faith in what Christ has done? You know, I just believe this. Uh, if somebody gets saved and they get plugged into a Bible preaching church, they start to grow, their voting is probably going to take care of itself because their belief system is different. Their audience becomes different. So if we're going to discern, and we know what, I don't have to go into what's going on in our world. There's enough, there's enough things going on in our world, it'll change in a month. But if all the things that we've been through in the last three months, I mean, if you just sit around and watch the news, you, you want to go jump off a bridge. If none of that was going on, they'd still be aborting tens of thousands of unborn children. There would still be the, the filth and the unrighteousness of this world. Man would still be bound by sin. That's why in order to discern, we've got to remember when trying the spirits, there are just two audiences. This morning I'm speaking to those that ought to understand what I'm saying because we come from the same belief system. And our eyes should be on heaven. Our eyes should be on Him. 
because we're reminded here by the end of verse 6, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is how we understand what is right and wrong. Nobody has to explain to me, and I'm going to get into it in a moment, the things that we need to remember. Nobody has to explain to me how somebody should act and shouldn't act. Because the Spirit of God dwells within me. I wonder, of all the things we see in this world, I wonder what the opinion is of Jesus Christ. I can tell you what the opinion is. Because most of what we see in this world today, they have been brought up in a system that says there is no God. They've been brought up in a system that says man evolved and there is no creator. They've been brought up in a system that says life is not important. If that baby's inconvenient, just kill it. And we're shocked by what's going on in our world. Oh no, the spirit of Antichrist has been working. I want us to understand because there's a different narrative that is of this world. And you and I, we have something in common and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me very quickly just mention, and quickly is a relative term, let mention the... Truce for the church, for the Christian to remember. Are you ready? This first one is found in verse number 16. It's three words in the middle of this verse. Number one, God is love. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. God is love. You don't have to raise your hand this morning, but how many of you have heard that? We've all heard that, but do we really understand what it means? You cannot understand what God is love means in verse 16 without going back to verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. The case is being laid out that you cannot understand God if you're not in love, if you're not born of God. If you're not, if you've never experienced salvation, you can't really know what love is. If you've never been saved, if you're not part of that one belief, you can never really, that's why this world defines lust as love. And, and, and you believing like me is the only way to show you love me. And, and it has all these definitions of love, but yet God defines it. The scripture defines it in verse number seven. Let us love one another for love is of God. If love is of God, you cannot know love outside of God. Say, well, Pastor, I, I've never heard that, or I don't, I, don't, I don't know that this be true. Look at this world. You think this world knows love? Where do you find love? You find love amongst God's people. And why do you find love amongst God's people? Because they're born of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Why are people so full of hate? Because they know not God. They know not God. Now, I'm going to pause right here, and then I'll get back to what I'm saying. Whose fault is that? 
for generations now, the church has been more concerned with things other than what Christ said for them to be busy about. Now, I get aggravated about things that go on in this world. That's why I don't watch it. I don't look at it. I don't read the headlines because I know what it does to me. But I do know this, that if there is no love, it's because they know not God. Whose responsibility is it for them to learn about God? It's the church's responsibility. It's the Christian's responsibility. And I might as well just go ahead and throw it out there. We're too busy hosting political rallies and getting involved in different ways than just preaching the truth of God, witnessing to everyone that moves, uh, running buses where we need to run buses and sending missionaries where we need to send missionaries. That is the need of today. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In verse 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. What is love? In order to understand love, you have to understand God's love toward us. That's why it ties, ties in with the first part of this chapter of two belief systems. Of God, believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and those that do not. It ties in with what it says in verse 9, and this was manifested a love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Verse 10, herein is love. Herein is love. What? God looking at sinful man and sending His perfect Son to pay for their sins. I've used this illustration before, and it certainly ought to remind us this morning. For a moment, let's not talk about the sins of the whole world. Let's not talk about the sins of generations. Let's just talk about the sins that are represented in this room. there's There's enough sin represented in my life and in your life, obviously, to send us all to hell. But God loved us. He sent His perfect, holy, only begotten Son to pay a debt He had not earned. To pay the sins of men, your sins, your sins and my sins, so that we wouldn't have to pay our sin debt. We wouldn't have to go to that horrible place called hell. We wouldn't have to, to endure that suffering. We would never have to give account for, the, for the, 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 the wicked things that we have done. He sent His Son to pay my sin debt, to pay your sin debt. I did nothing to earn that. I did nothing to deserve that, and neither did you. But God loved us enough even when our sins offended Him. Even when our sins force God to separate himself for us, he says, I'm going to send my son to die for sinful man. You cannot know love until you understand that. And if a Christian has a hard time loving the day, it's because he's forgotten that. This world has no concept of love because we've forgotten that. Because they don't know this. That is love. That's why, Christian, especially young people, listen to me. Uh, 
you compare the lust of this world to God's love, there's no comparison. Christian, the love of this world is no comparison to the love of God. So the first truth that we need to remember this morning is God is love. He is love. Number two is found first part of verse 18. There is no fear in love. That's the second truth that we have to remember. There is no fear in love. Stay with me this morning. Love does not produce fear. Love does not produce fear. The love of God does not make us afraid. So I still have some fears. Well, you need to allow God and the love that he's shown you to help you overcome. Let's continue to read verse 18. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. One of the most painful emotions to live with is fear. But love casteth out fear. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Understanding God's love toward us and our love toward Him will eliminate fears in your life. A simple example is I'm not afraid of hell because of the love of God. If you've never experienced the love of God, you ought to be afraid of hell. I'm afraid, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of the future. Why? Because God is love, is He not? We understand His love by, what he, by the fact that He sent His Son. So because of that love, we should not have fear. That love should cast away our fear. Love does not produce fear. Number three this morning. It's found in the first phrase of verse 19. The third truth for us to remember this morning is we love Him because He first loved us. I don't ask you to raise your hand this morning, but how many of you love God? You didn't love Him first. Many times, we as Christians get full of ourselves because we think we're doing God a favor by loving Him. We found God. No, before this world was ever fashioned, you were on God's mind. When Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, He took upon Him the sins of every man that had lived and ever would live. And God in His omniscience was aware of every man. Why would He do that? Because He loved us. Let me tell you, this morning, I love God. If you were to flip over in the book of 2 John, which we won't this morning, but truth and love are tied together. Following God's commandments are tied together with love. So we need to be very careful, first of all, when we say we love God. If I can tell you this morning, I love God. You say, but some things God allows to happen doesn't seem fair. And I would agree with that statement on the surface because we don't know the mind of God. 
We don't know why God allows certain things to happen because God's not taken by surprise. But I don't, I don't love Him because it seems like life is always fair. I don't love Him because, and this is certainly not true of any of us, but including myself, I don't love Him because He's been better to me than He has been to somebody else. I don't love Him because of that. I don't love Him because of the blessings He has bestowed upon me, and He has bestowed many blessings on me. But I love Him this morning because He first loved me. I love Him this morning because hundreds of years before I would ever be given life in this world, Jesus loved me enough to go to the cross of Calvary and pay for my sin debt. Before God ever fashioned this world out of nothing, He knew what man would do. He knew the problem of sin. He knew that there would be the adversary, Satan, who would pollute this world. He knew that, and He loved me first by sending His Son. Even as a child, when I had no understanding, and I would learn, okay, I have an understanding of right and wrong, and I would first hear of what Jesus did, and not grasping everything. But let me tell you, what the Spirit of God used to reach into the heart of a child was the fact that God loved you enough to send Jesus to die for your sins. And when I accepted that Christ as my personal Savior, I could love Him back. Because I knew what it was like for God to love me. How can a Christian love the unlovable? Because we've known the love of God. How can we have love in our heart? Because we've known the love of God. How is it that we can love uh, this world? Because we have known the love of God. We love Him because He first loved us. That's why those who say, I love God... But then they deny his son. They don't don't know love. Unfortunately, we live in a world where man can be very unloving. Can be cruel, hateful. Maybe someone here this morning, you'd say, I don't have any man. Can I tell you something? You've never lived a day when you've lived it unloved. Maybe you're the rare exception I can say no man loves me. But if you're here this morning, that's not true. But you've never lived a day unloved. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. See, those who are in that belief system that reject the Lord Jesus Christ reject His payment for their sins, what they are saying is, I reject your love, God. And therefore, no wonder they hate Him. No wonder they don't believe in Him. No wonder they curse His name. The reason is because they've never accepted His love. They can't love Him. Because in order to love Him, you've got to understand that He first loved us. Number four, and finally this morning, The fourth truth for the church to remember is this, found at the end of verse 21 in the chapter, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. You know, there's so many statements that are made in our world that sound good, but really are not logical. Why can't we all get along? 
Because there's two belief systems. Why, 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 can't, why can't everybody just treat? Because there's some that don't know what love is. You cannot legislate love. You cannot guilt into love. You can't take, figuratively speaking, somebody's arm and twist it behind them, their back and say, you are going to love them. Man, it reminds me of growing up and getting in a fight with one of your brothers and your mom's like, you tell them you're sorry. Tell each other you love each other. Just spank me again. That ain't happening. I wasn't joking, but okay. That's funny. But we see that in this world. Aren't we all God's children? Depends on how you define that. See, the solution really is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because my Bible tells me that he who loved with God loved his brother also. And we've already seen that, it, that we love God when we discover he first loved us by sending his son. And we accept that payment for our sins. We understand the love of God. I mean, the New Testament church is the greatest example of love. And we are painted by the spirit of Antichrist of this world because we stand in certain places and we, and we preach righteousness and we preach holiness and we, and we say God defines this this way, not the way this world defines it. And we say that there's, there are things that we ought to do and, and we stand against unrighteousness and unholiness and immorality and all of those things. The spirit of Antichrist in this world says the church has no love because you don't accept people. That is so far from the truth. Because the Bible reminds us that he who loveth God love his brother also. I mean, have you looked around the room this morning? There's only one thing that would bring this group of people together. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll never all get along as a society as long as there's two belief systems. Eventually, one will bow to the other. And when, when that trumpet sounds and Christians are raptured out of this world, the spirit of Antichrist is going to rule and reign for seven years. But that'll be it. So what, how, what are we to do in a world that's screaming for love? You tell them about Jesus. You tell them about what God did for them. I mean, the church, and I would encourage you this morning, if you're not part of, part of a church, you need, to get, you need to get plugged in. The church will love you when others don't love you. The church will love you when others have forsaken you. The church will love you when you fall flat on your face. The church will love you in your high times and your low times. The church will love you unconditionally. Why? Because we know what love is. Because we know that God has loved us. 
And that's how we're able to love him back. And it's because of his love we can love one another. I mean, the church this morning, there are some here who are born in, in foreign countries, come from different backgrounds and different, different, different upbringings. And good night, we even accept those of you that were born in the north. I mean, God's love is a real thing. That's the best reaction I got out of some of you all morning. Pastor, what, what, what's, what's the point of all this? There's, I hope you, you understand. The Bible tells us everything that's going on in this world and the reason behind it. So, Pastor, what, 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 how are you going to wrap this all up? I've been th- wondering that in the last 45 minutes, how I'm going to wrap it all up. But two, two quick points. First of all, you need to know for certain you're on your way to heaven this morning. If you're listening by way of live stream or through our radio station or if you're here in the building this morning and you don't know for certain you're on your way to heaven, you've never experienced love like the love I'm talking about. You can't know love until you first accept the love of God. Trust Christ today. Let somebody show you, open the word of God and show you how you can be saved. And the second thing I'll conclude with this morning is, church, we need to be busy about what we're supposed to be busy about. And since I've just kind of thrown everything out this morning, I'll just go ahead and roll this back out again too. This is why your pastor emphasizes for that next generation to serve the Lord instead of pursuing their own dreams and happiness. Because if you think it's bad now, let another decade go by with selfish Christians not willing to pass out a gospel tract, not willing to go. It's, it's awful easy to say, well, that city needs churches. Who's got you chained to a seat? Well, they just need Jesus. Who's holding you hostage? And and by the way, we need some parents who'll stop playing Holy Spirit. What's the problem? I've showed you from the Bible what the problem is. We want to fuss at people for acting like unsaved people. When they need God. They need God. This morning, may we do our part in showing the love of God. Hey, showing the love of God is more than handing somebody a bottle of water. I'm all for that. But it's saying, let me show you how much God loves you. Let me tell you about His Son. Let me tell you about the perfect God, who died for your sins, who paid the price. Because those of us who have been the recipient of love are the only ones who truly understand God is love. And that's the message that this world needs. I trust this will help us this morning. Father, I pray that